Welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast, where leaders on a mission to make the world a better place come to talk and learn about how communication, language, and words can help increase awareness, revenue, and impact with less stress and more joy. I'm your host, Erica Mills Barnhart, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Let's dive right in. Hello, dear listener. Welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast. Erica Barnhart here, your host. We spend a lot of time on this podcast in the neck up range, I would say, like really heady topics and approaching them with our conscious minds. Of course, we talk about the subconscious a lot as well, but you know, like the mind and whatnot, neck up. And I'm excited to share with you this conversation I I had with Crispin Spaith, because this is all about how can we bring our bodies very intentionally into our work. She is uh, an integrative Alexander Technique practitioner, and she'll explain what all that means. And it's such a beautiful way of noticing how we show up as humans, as leaders, as we communicate, as we go through life, right? And like, what can what can we learn from our bodies? What can we notice about our bodies? And how can we just like make things easier? <laughs> I appreciate Crispin because she does have a focus on how can we make, you know, use our energy more efficiently and to greater effect. So this is a, a neck down, not only actually, because she thought we're going to talk about the ears as well. Um, it's a whole body. It's integrating the whole body into our work in the world and our lives. So I'm really excited to to share it with you kind of a different take on some things we've um, talked about before on the podcast, but I think with a really a a crisp eye and a a different um, from a different vantage point. So I hope you will enjoy this conversation. Here is my combo with Crispin Spaith. Welcome, listener, to the Communicate for Good podcast. I am joined today by Crispin Spaith. Now, in a minute, I'm going to get to, I actually got to the um, honor of working one-on-one with Crispin recently, so we're going to chat about that. But I want to share with you what Crispin does because it's such a unique contribution to the world, I think. Um, So Crispin works with leaders and creatives who are working to make the world a better place and want to get there faster. She is a movement and performance coach and a teacher of integrated Alexander technique. We're going to be saying those words a lot of times, so don't worry, we'll repeat them. Um, And the integrative Alexander technique is a whole self approach that champions the beauty of our human design and its intrinsic relationship to confidence, connection, and freedom. I love that. I want to come back to that and unpack it a little bit. Um, The theme that connects all of Crispin's work is the desire to streamline efforts so that people can be most themselves and get their great ideas out into the world. She is a graduate of AIT Studio Seattle, a certified teaching member of Alexander Integrated, Alexander Technique International, a member of ISME T-A. This is a lot of things. I don't even know what that's an acronym. It is meta. Yeah, I know a lot of things. Sorry, I didn't know you were going to have to read all those letters. <laughs> so it makes up language. And she's a graduate of Oberlin College. That's fun. 
Her writing about Alexander Technique and choreographic process was included in the book Galvanizing Performances, and her first career was as a choreographer of contemporary dance. She lives in Seattle with a family of humans and pets, loves art and design, and being thrown off balance. Thank you, Crispin, for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. So can we go back? Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. What does this mean? A whole self approach that champions the beauty of our human design mm-hmm. and its intrinsic relationship to confidence, connection, and freedom. Can you unpack mm-hmm. that for us? Uh, I spend my life unpacking that, trying to unpack that. So we'll we'll give it a go. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, so this process, integrative Alexander technique, is an evolution of of the Alexander technique. There are many styles of teaching this work. Um, and the way that I teach um, and my training is in the integrative style, which means I work with people doing what they're doing in daily life. Oh, so like the integrative is integrated into our into whatever's happening already. Yeah, it's kind of has two meaning. One is it helps you integrate with yourself, biopsychosocial, moving, thinking, communicating, those things. I can talk about those a bit. And it also, you just, it just becomes very practical that you can use it right away. So the, the connection to freedom and all of that is, it's not something we have to add to ourselves. So that's one of the, one of the ideas here is that we're uncovering or refreshing or allowing ourselves to experience the, the unity or congruence that is part of us. So the assumption is we're whole. Now, there may be some interruptions to that wholeness, and that is part of of what I work uh, with people on um, working through stubborn patterns or um, long-term, I'm not a therapist or a medical practitioner, but it it, it can be a therapeutic process. Um, I'm going off track a bit here. Uh, welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast, where people go off track frequently. <laughs> I like to think we actually inspire a space where you can just hop down whatever bunny trail seems appealing that day. Well, let's hop down the biopsychosocial bunny trail. Are you game for that? I, I, I'm game for that, but I want to make sure listeners understand what it is. What happens? Well, yeah. I mean, like what fundamentally, what is the Alexander Technique? It is a way to access your natural coordination so you can um, do the things you want to do in the way you want to do them. It's more of a how than a what. Um, so it's not a set of exercises. It's not it's not traditional body work in that I don't use my hands to, to change your structure in any way. But we do work together to look at how you're moving initially, how you're moving, doing kind of basic things at the beginning. So as when we worked together, we looked at walking, standing, sitting. Those are kind of the things I start with with people just because most people do most of those things all the time. They're kind of the connectors. And um, we look at, um, uh, I, I bring anatomy into lessons quite a bit. Behind me is my small skeleton, Shazam. He's with me all the time. Just to understand how um, you as an individual are made based on this, you know, kind of general design pattern. 
everyone's different, of course. Um, but sometimes how we think we're made is how we will move. So if we have a uh, if we have an idea, for instance, about how our arm, our upper arm relates to our ribs, and I can give some more information about how it actually is structured, sometimes people get more movement. So interesting. So what's the why behind it? Like for listeners who were like, how does this relate to communication? To communication? Mm-hmm. Let's connect some dots. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously body language is a big piece of paralanguage, the nonverbal communication, but I think there's so maybe more to it than that. So what's the, what's the why? Why should it, why should somebody care about the Alexander? I would say, um, I would say leaders should care about, should uh, maybe interested in this work for the purposes of authenticity and connection and energy. So for instance, when I work with people or initially on these basic movement patterns, what tends to happen is people notice that they're wasting a lot of energy, either micromanaging or like holding, uh, using a lot of extra muscular effort to do the basic things of life, right? And when you start working with your actual structure a little bit more, and letting muscles turn on and off as appropriate rather than being always on, for instance, that's one thing that can happen. That energy is available for other things. Mm. You know, we talk about the energetics of language on this podcast all the time. So listeners are probably familiar with this idea of energy. I think we're all looking to optimize our energy output. (laughs) Will you tell me, um, about the energetics of language. I have listened to your podcast, but I have not run across this. I haven't listened to all of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Uh, So the energetics of language is based on the insight that words matter because they are matter. And in that they are matter, each word has its own energy. Mm. So uh, this is a parallel, I think, between our work, which is I invite people to really think about like, what is the energy that I need to be giving off in this email, in this speech, in this insert, whatever it's going to be, right? And really starting from that place and then picking words that support that energy. So there's like an energy alignment between your intention, about how you want people, what, what you want people to know, feel, and then do, and the actual energy of the words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, we are a match, my friend. <laughs> I think the um, where I start with is is a personal and basically in personal development. What is your, um, what do you want to express or do? And what is, what is, what are the subtle blockers or, or major blockers that are getting in your way and how can we work with who you are as an individual to send you in that direction? Yeah. So when we worked together, I came in, Actually, it was, it was really great because, you know, people will say to me, like, I feel kind of self-conscious, you know, like talking to you or having you read my writing or blah, blah, blah. And I'm always like, I'm not here to judge in any way. I'm here to help you express in a way with ever greater clarity and confidence, right? It's like, it's all about you. But I like definitely had this experience if I was like, okay, because, and I told you this, but, and depending on which episode listeners have listened to, they will know that like, you know... I'm of a certain age and I've been kind of active and I just low key have like things that are going on on a regular basis. 
including a chronic SI joint flare-up. Um, and so I've been working uh, with a with a body worker dude uh, on my posture. <laughs> and I've made great strides. But you pointed out like very specific things and ways that I was kind of getting in my own way or using energy in a way that wasn't serving me. And I thought that was interesting. The thing that is really, including like how I, and I, I think you were saying most of us aren't attentive to this. So this is not, this part's not unique to me, but how much you can use your eye movement to ease movement in general. I, that kind of blew my mind. Has that been helpful in your daily yes. life? Yes. Yeah. Like when I, you know, um, it, it it's not a habit yet. So why don't you share with listeners, like the way in which we can, because I think it's such a, such a practical example of the Alexander technique. Right. So this is a very specific strategy that can be, it, it was useful for you because of something I saw you doing. Is it okay if I mention that? Oh, go for it. Okay. So what I noticed is that when you change direction, you change direction, your head was in line with your shoulders and everything moved kind of of, of one, one piece. Of course, it is, it is one piece with um, purpose-specific parts that all work together all the time. <laughs> so the invitation to use your eyeballs, use your vision to look, um, I think the effect was that it allowed your head to move and then your spine to move in its perfectly designed twist ability <laughs> so that you didn't have to move like a school bus, right? You could turn and all of your parts <laughs> could move as appropriately. <laughs> I was more like an articulated bus. An articulated bus, yes, right? Yes, I became... it would be impossible to, to move just, you don't have wheels and so we could just do this. Sorry, I was moving my hands and fingers there. So that's that's the example of a of a of a strategy that we kind of came up together. It's not one that's uncommon. It does happen a lot, a lot that people. I'm not the only school bus. You're not the only school bus. Sometimes I think of it as a popsicle. Remember those two sided popsicles? Yes, totally. We do articulate. Our spine has curves front to back, side to side. Some people more than others, and it twists top to bottom. And we wouldn't be able to do most things if we didn't have that ability. Using that energy. So, and not using, not doing that meant that you were, your muscles were having to hold you in place in that way. So when I talk about freedom, is that something that you kind of could, can yes. attest to in that moment? It's just more easeful. And I do have to like really remind myself, I would say this is, I'm still the school bus most of the time. Um, or the popsicle. But when I remember, when I remind myself of how, how, yeah, just easier, and it just feels, it feels better. I'm like, start with your eyeballs, Erica. And you told me to like, I, I'm going to like sort of be like a toddler, uh, which was helpful because if anybody has watched toddlers, how they like when they first learn how to walk, they're just like, I'm going for the thing. And, you know, and like they kind of tip forward and they're all like, hell bent on getting there so there was just some specific shifts that, that I found helpful. Mm -hmm. that again I have to like remind myself remind myself be the toddler not the school bus well that toddler idea so that points to one of the other principles that I think applies to leadership and anyone who wants to do anything <laughs> is that we're we tend to be more coordinated when we or more 
congruent, whatever version of that kind of word you might like, when we are doing something we really care about or when we're moving toward desire and our actual physical design supports us moving toward the thing we want. Our eyeballs are on the front. So that is why using your vision to lead where you're going is one way to um, work with this head spine relationship. Your head spine happens to be very close to your eyeball. So it's, it's part of the whole underlying skeletal coordination dynamic. Okay. Let's circle back to the bunny trail about biopsychosocial. Yeah. Yes. So this was a term that, that Alexander came up with the term psychophysical um, Alexander himself was a Victorian fellow, old fashioned man of his time. Some of his values are not values that I share. However, he left behind um, some great ideas. Psychophysical unity, I think, is one of the great ideas. In modern language and modern medical language, it's biopsychosocial. So, this is the idea that biopsychosocial, physical, psychological, biological, psychological, social. When medical professionals now use that term, it's like, how, how are we caring for the whole person? I love that term. And I also love that it maps to what I think of as the things we can do on purpose. Move, think, communicate. These are the things we can choose to do. And if we can choose to do them, we can choose to do them differently. I can't choose what happens to my the vocal folds in my voice box. I can't choose that. I can choose movements that make it more likely that they will um, do what I want, <laughs> right? So there's some things we can't choose in our physical selves. So you help your clients identify the things that you would recommend that they bring greater intentionality to in terms of their movement? Um, I'm always trying to keep the client in the front seat, in the driver's seat. So it's not so much what I choose or what I would recommend unless I'm seeing something that's very harmful, <laughs> but it might be, oh, I see, you know, for instance, in our first lesson, I made a lot of the choices for you. These are, these are the things we're going to look at because there wasn't a pressing need and we're just like, okay, let's explore some things. If we were to continue, it would be, okay, Erica, what are the things you're interested in life? Let's bring that into the room. So I have entrepreneurs, instrumentalists, people who are just coming back to fitness after the pandemic, artists, poets. So all kinds of people who are who understand their role as an individual in the success of their lives. <laughs> yeah. What are or are there common things that you see, like, I'm probably gonna, we're probably gonna end up working on this. Well, uh, phones and computers are, are a pretty common topic for public speaking, working with your audience yeah. is a pretty common topic. Um, that's also transferable to high stakes communication events of any type. So <laughs> what are some things that, what are some things that you work with specifically in that, in the high stakes communication space. Uh, what do you, what do you notice about yourself when you are even thinking of something that is high stakes communication? Oh. We are, we are so good at um, time travel 
right? We put ourselves into these situations is just thinking about, oh, I have to go do this thing. And you may get some chemical zings or um, a feeling of dread or any of those things. So what I work with with people who are experiencing that is to talk a little bit about the chemistry. The adrenaline that kicks off is here for at least 20 minutes. Let's learn to live with it. So <laughs> pushing it away is not helpful. No. Um, and let's make sure we have a plan for why you're there. So finding a constructive, a yes focused plan, reason for you to do this thing. And that can become a multi-level plan. This is why I'm talking about this section. This is why I'm talking to these people. This is my big why in my life. So um, it can get pretty coachy. Yep, yep. But the idea is to um, bring in this, this, this performance skills of rehearsing performing, not just rehearsing the words, but rehearsing the experience of delivering the material, if it's um, for public speaking, or if you know you're going into a hard conversation with a colleague, having clear goals for um, what you want and what your role is. So it's super helpful for, I would say for leaders, for remaining their authentic selves while even just being talked at, you know, if you are in that situation, how do you manage your, this is a different kind of managing of energy, right? But how do you manage your energy so you can do the job of continuing to be a leader? And continuing, I imagine, to stay present. So this is something that comes up a lot in my work, right? Which is more squarely in communication um, coaching. But I'm struck by, well, by how quickly we abandon our bodies and our awareness of our bodies when we're stressed. And so I work with my clients on staying, like staying in your body, staying present for the moment and not like mentally running away, <laughs> running away from it. But you do have to practice that, right? Otherwise, it's it's easy to be like, uh, I'm so uncomfortable in this moment. All I can focus on is the discomfort rather than really being there for the listening. Sort of that that um, skill of presence. In. Yeah. And I think your work, to bring that like just ever higher levels of, of awareness about like what the heck Ola our bodies are doing what the heck Ola I love that yes and 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 it becomes desirable once you start getting getting this feeling of ease and and um having good com communication and enjoying people's company it's sort of like as soon as you start to sense this interference or interruption in your energy in yourself you just don't want it anymore so <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like you become unavailable to it. But first you have to become aware that it's happening. And I'm curious what your experience is of, like you don't want to say negative things about your clients, but but I'm not, in aggregate, how aware are we of our bodies and what they are doing? I haven't run into very few people who are not aware. I think part of my job is to help people see, to say out loud what they notice. And awareness is like the end result of a lot of noticing. But we do it all the time. We can't function without thinking, I'm hungry. 
you know, I mean, they're, I'm hungry. Oh, I, uh, this is nice corduroy. You know, they're all, we're getting all kinds of information in through our senses that we don't necessarily notice as us, but it's us. This is us all the time. I find it fascinating. And I am definitely somebody who can, you know, be kind of all neck up. So I have to, I have to do my work to like stay fully embodied for sure. But, and I do find it fascinating, like the mental acrobatics that we can do and that we do do to protect ourselves. And, you know, it's like a a very advanced coping mechanism that becomes sort of our go-to, which is like, I'm going to pay attention to, to what's up here. And I think we discount what our bodies tell us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole self aspect of this is that uh, I promise you, you're not just up here. And I'm, and we're pointing to our heads when they when we do that. <laughs> there is no separation. There's more than the neck up. Mm-hmm. What are some practical things that you would recommend that listeners do in terms of this path to awareness? Like what are some are there ways that they can just start noticing the way that their bodies are helping them or hindering them from getting to where they want to go? I would say, let's see, let's give a few kind of scenarios. One would be, what if you are feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm so in my head. Can what you? What do I do about that, Crispin? Right. <laughs> Well, lots of experiments, but one of them might be, okay, let's say whatever the thing is that you're thinking about, what if you continue to think about that and went upstairs to get a glass of water or walked around so that if you're working an intellectual problem and you bring your body into the process, what kind of rewards does that bring? So that's a simple Oh, I love the way you just phrased that. If I bring bring my body into the process, what rewards do I, you ended it, but what rewards do I get out of that? Right. And it's not fancy, right? That was just take a little walk. So that's one idea. Another idea might be um, if you find yourself in physical discomfort, see what would happen. Just sort of imagine the, sh- the shape of you. Like what shape are you in? And as an experiment, see what would happen if you uh, get your ears relatively over your hip joint. So this is like the the shortest shortcut to (laughs) using Alexander technique. Rather than scrunching, see what happens if you're your whole size and get your ears over your hip joints if you're vertical. So that's not saying straighten up. That's not saying, oh, snap into that good posture that you learned about when you were four and probably you didn't need it at four, seven, (laughs) where you were seven and and weren't making decisions for yourself so much. Um, Yeah. So get those ears over your, what do you, so here you are experimenting with that. I can see, what do you notice there, Erica? Yes, I totally am. I'm like ears, hip, hips, ears, hips. I mean, my mind doesn't go there very often. So I'm like, how does that feel? Hips. I mean, I also, my lower back tends to get pretty cranky and I'm like, oh, that does feel nice. Ears mm-hmm. over hips. Mm-hmm. And again, ears is just a shortcut for um, your, the, your head sits on top of your spine right between your ears. So that's a shortcut for getting that joint over. 
Also super helpful when you're walking upstairs. You want to walk upstairs? Get your ears over the next step. It makes it easier. It's a bit of a magic trick. I totally <laughs> so want to go try that right away. Yeah. <laughs> so those are some those are some ideas for experimenting with the kind of physical tasks and thinking about how we think about things. In terms of, of communication and high stakes communication, I would say, um, you know, rehearsing a little bit before you go in just to see what your physical um, response is, whether you do get a little chemical zing or you feel extra tension. And know that if that comes up in the event, you can say, hey, friend, I know you're here for good reason, keeping me safe. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I have, you know, A, B, and C reasons to be here. Yeah, because you've done the why ladder. Mm -hmm. The why and the why and the why and the why and the why ever up to higher purpose. The other, so do you encourage um, uh, clients to rehearse in their head, like really visualize in great detail this high stakes communication moment? If you're working on a a high stakes communication event, (laughs) I, yes, rehearsal is great. I know some people want to keep it fresh and fast and loose. Um, if it's been really problematic for you in the past and things haven't gone well, or um, you're just kind of leaving money on the table, if you don't put some effort into managing your physical presence during yeah. these events. Um, I definitely encourage clients to uh, literally practice, especially if it's like a stand and deliver type speech, but you don't have to over practice and because some folks worry about like then I will sound like a robot and when I say say to that is like you if you still sound like a robot you actually haven't practiced enough yes that's where I was gonna go it's like okay well now you have the content now you have to practice performing yeah yeah I worked with all of this really becomes so helpful is and you can do it mentally I mean mental rehearsal is you know every elite athlete Pretty much, not every, we can't make those, a lot of elite elite athletes, right? And it is down to like the the littlest detail about what is that going to look like, feel like, you know, all of that. And they're just in your mind so that you can feel the feels in advance. And I think that that's powerful because then you're less surprised by them. Yeah. And our nervous system is beautifully designed to do that work. We're already, if you're doing that time travel and all of your thinking, all you're thinking about is like one moment you're, you're missing out on the potential imagining how you get on stage, how, you know, if, for instance, for a, for a presentation, because our nervous system will follow us in that time travel, it it will rehearse that moment. You know, you're, you're there, you're there doing it. Our imagination is a powerful thing. (laughs) Use it for good and to serve you. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that you can use it for good? And I feel like left left to our own devices, I, many folks will use it to their detriment, right? Like I, I'm envisioning that I'm doing this thing, you know, the speech, and I like I've messed up and I've forgotten the things. I'm like, let's set that aside. And also, if you do that, it's it's actually not the end of the world for most in, in most situations. And so I think you can go both ways uh, with the mental rehearsing. I wish that people would be kinder with themselves and do more of the mental rehearsing, assuming best outcome 
assuming best case scenario, as opposed to how much time and energy so many folks put into like the clearly I'm going to trip when I'm going up the stairs and then I'm going to forget the things and all the bad stuff. Well, back to the whys, like sometimes this fear of embarrassment or messing up yes. is because oh, yes. they're doing something and they really care about. And that's where the, that's where panic can come in. I really care about this. I'm not going to do it. Well, I should never do it then. <laughs> no, we, we need we you just to do, want it. To do that. Yes, we need you. We need to hear from you. And anything that I haven't asked about that you would like to offer to listeners as they just think about their bodies and time and space and all the rest of it and how they can be of greater service. Well, every day is take your body to work day. So if this sounds like too soft a skill for you, you're already doing it. And um, wouldn't you like to get good at it? That's what I would say. <laughs> I love it. It's people a little snarky, want- but. <laughs> <laughs> if people want to learn more, Crispin, about mm-hmm. or your work, where should they go find you? Uh, my website is probably the, the first source. It's crispinspace.com. Um, there's a little button at the top that says, let's talk. Um, I love to meet people and talk with them about this stuff and how it might be useful for them in their lives. Um, I do, uh, is it all right to mention my services? Absolutely. Go for it. Okay. I teach um, kind of a regular rotation of group classes and I do private coaching. All of this is both online and um, and in person in Seattle. I also do some work with teams so I can come in and do a training for your team that will at the very least help them feel more comfortable at their desks and may improve overall office culture and communication. I'm starting a few cool partnerships this year, including with a public speaking coach and with a leadership coach. So lots of new things coming. um, And yeah, if you get in touch with me and stay in the loop, I'll have some cool announcements coming up. And meanwhile, let's all keep our ears over our hips. Unless you need to do something else. <laughs> I just, I, I can only focus on one thing. Well, I also stand throughout the day. Yes. Yes. So, so me, while that, you're that's standing, clutch. that's going to be helpful. <laughs> that's clutch. And I am going to try that when I, you know, when I go upstairs next time, just like being a little more forward. And letting anything move that wants to move as you walk up the stairs. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting because we're all squishy and moving <laughs> I, I feel like i'm gonna let everything move and i'm gonna like face plant i i a little bit you're but not what, what, I'll you're not you've got you i have gone up and downstairs <laughs> a few times so i believe in me <laughs> crispin thank you for offering this insight into you know we're doing it anyway and maybe there's a way to do it uh, with a bit more ease as we move through life and thank you listeners for being here with us today Do good, be well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Communicate for Good podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would right here, right now, go rate and review the podcast. Your review will help even more purpose-driven leaders, teams, and organizations learn how to use words to change the world. To find more ways that communication can help you increase awareness, revenue, and impact, head on over to www.claxon.communicationnos.com.